welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Time. Acts 4 and 19. Amen. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Look at somebody and tell them my experience is more powerful than somebody else's theory. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. You know this story. They just told them. You better stop preaching in that name. You better quit sharing the resurrection story in the gospel. And the Bible said they took their beating when it was over and they walked out of there rejoicing that the Lord had counted them worthy to suffer for the gospel's sake. Peter stood there and John and they stood there with boldness. And they looked right in the face of the religious order. Of that. That's what we're facing right now with the Skittles movement. That's what we're facing. It's a religion. It's a religion. You got to bow at their altar. They stood up with boldness and said, we cannot preach but about the things we have seen and heard. I'll let you judge, they said, whether or not we should do what is right in the sight of God or in your sight. They were not ashamed. They were bold with their faith. And I want to take that because I believe in this hour, we need some bold Christians. Wimpy saints ain't going to survive the warfare we're in right now. Weekend warriors aren't going to survive the spiritual warfare we're in. Reservist Christians won't survive this warfare we're in now. One week in a month, two, out, two weeks out of the year, not going to survive. You've got to be a full-time soldier in the army of the Lord. And they stood with boldness. I want you to know the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was born in the fire, was born in adversity, born in the midst of resistance and persecution. And they stood ramrod straight. And the theme of the church has been from that day till this, unapologetically apostolic. That's what I'm going to preach today, unapologetically apostolic. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I'm not ashamed to be one of them, amen? Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you, Lord, for your presence that we feel in this place this afternoon. Lord, would you anoint me to speak your words? Would you anoint me today, God, to share that which you have placed before me? God, to prepare the table for your word to feed the bread of life to your children. Lord, I pray that we would leave here today with a greater fervor and passion than we've ever had before. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord again. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I am unapologetically apostolic. Turn around and tell somebody else, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I'm unapologetically apostolic. Just tell, it sounds so good. Tell one more person. I am unapologetically apostolic. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let me, do, let, let me first of all say, amen, that we are an apostolic people. Let, let me take a moment to define what that is. When I say we are apostolic, I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I, say una, when I say apostolic, I am talking about holding to the doctrine that the apostles once delivered to the church. You say, but I thought we were Pentecostal. We are. We are Pentecostal in our experience of salvation, which means that we identify with the salvation that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. So when we say we are Pentecostal, we identify with the upper room experience that they had in Acts 2 and the Acts 2.38 salvation that was preached on that day. So we are Pentecostal in our experience. Amen. But since we've got to live past the experience, we hold on to what the apostles preached in the beginning and we preach what the apostles preach and that means we are the apostolic church we hold on to the original doctrine of the church Amen. You may you and, and you can say, well, that's a bold claim. How do we know? Because we search the scriptures. We rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. We hold on to it because we know that this is what was once delivered to the saints. We are apostolic in our doctrine. Somebody say, I'm apostolic. Amen. We're not embarrassed to be apostolic. We're not ashamed to be apostolic. Apostolic is not what we do. It's who we are. It's in our spiritual DNA. I'm not a part of a religion. I thank God for the organization that we're in fellowship with. Amen. But even more than that, I'm apostolic. I don't care what anybody else does. We're apostolic. I'm going to personalize it. I'm apostolic. That means I'm going to hold on to the apostles' doctrine. And not be ashamed of it. I'm unashamedly, unapologetically, unabashedly, indubitably apostolic. Indubitably means without doubt. Just in case you were wondering. We live in an in-your-face world. We, we live in an in-your-face society. It's not good enough to be what you want to be. But now there is an unwarranted need to prove and to provoke all others and show your defiance against normalcy. Because this world is now in your face. It's not enough for them to say who they are. They're going to beat you over the head with it until you confess their salvation of perversion. I, I'm going to preach like this today. You might as well get ready for it. From Lizzo to Madonna... From the White House to the schoolhouse, from politicians to Christ-professing preachers who accept homosexuality and all other lifestyles, 
They're in your face with it. It's not enough they do drag queen story hour in libraries and schools, but now they're doing drag queen in churches. They flaunt it as the ultimate expression of liberty and independence and individuality, but I've come here to tell you that is from the pit of hell. And we don't, the apostolic church don't go with that. The word of God don't go with that. We don't line up with that. We're not entertained by those people. I ain't listening to their trashy music. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'm not going to watch their filth, perverted movies. I'm not going to support their lifestyle. I'm apostolic to the bone. Unapologetically apostolic. Amen. I'm not going to back down from it. We're not going to run from it. Things are starting to change. Hold the line. Hold the line. Things are starting to change. Starting to blow up in their perverted faces. Hold the line, apostolics. We don't have to give in and start letting men dress like women and women dress like men. We're unapologetically apostolic. Hold the line. I said hold the line. We're going to keep praying against the spirit of witchcraft and perversion. We're going to keep praying against this assassinating, aborting spirit of our children. We go to war on our knees. We are unapologetically apostolic. And you may say, but pastor, shouldn't you say Christian? And we are Christian because it means to follow Christ. But there's a whole lot going under the banner of Christianity right now. I feel we ought to distinguish ourselves even a little more from the term Christianity and define what we are. And that is we are apostolic in doctrine, Pentecostal in experience, and Christ in pursuit. Not ashamed of it. No, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. We're unapologetically apostolic. We're not going to bow at their altar. Things are changing. I read yesterday almost 20% of Americans now, now do not agree with homosexual marriage. It has dropped almost 20% in the last three years that the average American, almost 20%, are now saying they're not going along with homosexual marriage anymore. You want to know why? Because when they drop the standard of what's natural and normal, I don't know if y'all are going to get this or not. When we let sin and the world redefine what God had instituted, a man and a woman, they didn't stop there, and we've been preaching to you for 13 years that they weren't going to stop there. The world's looking at it and say, okay, well, and we're talking about sinners and even some in the Christian world say, well, okay, we'll let, we'll, we'll let a man marry a man and a woman and marry a woman. We'll give on on that and just hold, hold it. They didn't hold it right there. It didn't stop. It didn't stop. That wasn't enough. See, when you give an inch, they'll take a mile. You don't back up. You lean in. And America backed up a foot and said, have your space. And they said, that's not good enough. Then they said, now you're going to accept that all of a sudden, I'm a woman. You have to say that. I'm a woman. 
It wasn't just dressing up, being perverted. No, they had to get you to admit it. I can be what I want to be. After all, we allowed them to say love is love. Since you redefined what love is and what nature is, now you've got to live with the effect of it. Well, love is love. So a man can say they're a woman and go into the shower with girls. And Americans are now looking at this because now it wasn't enough. We backed up and said, okay, a man can be a woman. A man can now play in women's sports. Amazing how the women aren't trying to be in men's sports. It's because those men are perverts. I know where I'm at. Those men are perverts. They're psychotic. They're demonic. And they want to go in the locker rooms with the girls. And so America backed up another step and said, okay, okay, a man is a man. A man that wants to be a woman is now a woman. And a woman that wants to be a man is now a man. And we backed up and said, okay, here you go. And then they leaned in harder and said, well, that's not enough. Now we want your children. And Americans are starting to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Say what? As long as you were in your home, I didn't care. But now you're crawling in my window? Y'all getting this? Now you're crawling in my window? Now you want my kids? Is this kind of preaching still okay? We may be the only one in town preaching like this, but by God, we're going to stand up and preach the truth. We're unapologetically apostolic. Say we want, they say, we want your children. And I know what people say. I can feel it. I know what people say. I hope not anybody here, but I know what they say. Well, pastor, uh, uh, you're, you're exaggerating. That's the extreme fringe. No, it's not. It's the mainstream of that movement. You, have you been unfortunate enough to see the pride marches? Disgusting. I can't even describe them because I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not going to talk like that. It's not enough for them to have a pride march and wave their Skittles flag. And prove me wrong that that rainbow flag ain't the new Nazi flag. Because you have to bow to it. If you don't, let me just stop and say here, apostolics, we got we to gotta stop being afraid of what they may call us. Just go ahead and stop being afraid of what they're going to say when you say, not my kids. I don't believe a man and a man should be married. I don't believe a woman can be a man. We're so afraid that they're going to lob the, the, a, a word at us that might identify us in a way that we don't. Well, they're going to call us a homophobe. Who cares? I have long since given up what caring what they're going to say about me. And the moment you value the opinion of the world, you're going to cower in a dark corner. you got to stand up and say, I am unapologetically apostolic. I'm going to preach it till they shut us down and then we'll go to a garage and preach it. Unapologetically apostolic. we got to stop being afraid of what they're going to say about us. Well, I'm, I'm afraid that they might, you know, they, they call you because they don't just stop there. 
If you're homophobe, you're, you're transphobe. If you, in which phobia means to have fear of. I'm not afraid of them. Have you seen them? I'm not afraid of a freak. I'm not afraid of them. A man that thinks he's a woman, not scared of that. I'm not afraid of them at all. I love them. I don't love their sin, but I love them. We have got to stand up and say, I can love you, but not love what you're representing. I can love an alcoholic, but not accept the alcohol. I can love a drug addict, but reject drugs. I can love people and reject perversion. It's not an either or. I can love them, but not accept what they're doing. Amen, amen, amen. I, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here today, but I want to make it clear. We are unapologetically apostolic. Amen. Quit being afraid of what they're going to call Well, they might call me a racist. It, that don't even mean anything anymore. All racist means is you don't agree with what they believe. And I've never been called a racist by a minority, only by liberal white people. I don't think you caught that. Because minorities know what racism is. It's only the rich white people that are defining, redefining what it is. Because I don't accept your little Susie pretending to be Billy. Then I must be a racist. You don't get to redefine that word. And you don't get to define me. He's already defined me in his word. And I am unapologetically apostolic. I'm, young people, I, I pray for you because you're going to have to take stronger stands than we've ever had to take at a young age. You're going to have to stand with the jeers and the boos and the eyes of judgment from people your age that are going to say, well, you're filled with hate. You're a hate monger. You're a bigot. But you've got to stand flat-footed and say, I love you, and I love you enough to tell you the truth that there's a lake of fire that awaits every man and woman that does not give their life to Jesus, and I love you enough to tell you, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. I believe what Dr. King said when he said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. The church is not going to change the world by trying to be like the world. We've got to be apostolic. I am unapologetically apostolic. The world's, the, the opinion of society starting to change back. They overplayed their hand. They're still overplaying their hand. And now all of a sudden there's unlikely alliances coming together. Muslims and Armenians, Christians and uh, uh, Catholics and Protestants are coming together. And they're saying, not our kids, you, drew, you have crossed a line. We ought not be standing there with our noses in the air saying, well, I'm glad you feel that way, but you're not good enough. No, we can still be unapologetically apostolic and say, oh, you're against, you're against pedophilia? Hey, here, lock arms with me because we don't want to get our kids either. Amen. Amen. We got to stop being afraid of what they're going to label us. 
If you know what God has called you, be comfortable in that. Let me say that again. If, you're, if you know what God has called you, be comfortable in that. Be ready to be called a homophobe, a transphobe. Be ready to be called a bigot. Be ready to be called a hate monger and a racist or any other horrid thing that they want to say. But as long as I know that he has called me his son or he has called me his daughter, he has called me saved, he's called me redeemed, he's called me washed, he's called me clean, then guess what? I'm going to stand on the word of God and be unapologetic apologetically apostolic. Come on, look at somebody and tell them I'm unapologetically apostolic. They're in our face with it. Their attitude is, if you don't like it, deal with it. Their attitude is, if you think I'm wrong, then you keep your opinion to yourself. I'm not a proponent of that kind of thinking. I'm not a proponent of the in-your-face attitude. That's unchristian. But I will say this. I do believe we need to refuse to be intimidated. We need to quit getting recluse more and more and more trying to find a place to hide. And we need to stand up and live our faith out loud. We need to live our faith out loud. We don't need to hide in a corner. We don't need to go shuffling off into a cave somewhere, living off of dry rice and beans. Amen. And just hold out until the Lord comes. No, we need to stand up and advance. We need to hold the line of the apostolic message and say, I still believe God's word is true. I still believe God's word is right. Remember the lame man at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3. Peter said such as I, he was begging. He said, I need some money. Peter said, such as I have, give I thee. The world is begging. They're hurting right now. Let me tell you what this is. 99% of these people with gender dysphoria, they're hurting. The vast majority of people with same-sex attraction, it is not born out of evil. It's born out of abuse. Oh, they, they've pulled it out of the psychiatric manuals now. It was used to a, a common thing that they knew somebody that was experiencing those feelings had been abused or neglected somewhere in their childhood. The world is crying out for help. What are we going to do? Turn our back? Are we going to avoid the temple and the beautiful gate? Or are we going to look at them like Simon Peter did and say, I don't have silver and gold. I don't have acceptance that's going to make you feel good. But what I do have, I give to thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. You see, Peter began to change the world when he was unapologetically apostolic. And he grabbed the lame man by his hand and pulled him up on his feet. I want to tell Vacaville and everybody that is trapped in addiction and bondage, everybody that is trapped in all kinds of perversion, there is a way out. There is hope for your life. There is hope. There is a way out. See, Peter really began, his ministry really began to take off after Pentecost because he was apostolic without apology.
They were arrested for preaching the gospel. Amen. And then they were teaching people about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. They were thrown into jail for preaching the gospel. A lot of us would stop right there and say, well, Jesus must not have wanted me to do that because I'm in prison now, not Simon Peter. Uh Uh-uh. He used that as an opportunity to preach the gospel. And because God's word does not return unto him void, about 5,000 men were saved as a result of their preaching. I want you to know something that if we'll stand upon the word of God... God is going to honor his word every single time. The next day they were brought to the Sanhedrin council, the religious council to be questioned and reprimanded. There in their presence, Peter answered the question of how did you heal this man? They wanted to know by what witchcraft, by what miraculous potion did they come up with to heal this man? The Bible says that Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost Solution number one, get full of the Holy Ghost. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Because if you're full of the Holy Ghost, when you go to do things that are unholy, the Holy Ghost is going to check your spirit. How did you heal this man? Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't sit there and cower in the corner and he didn't say, let me call pastor. Let's get together and have a prayer meeting. But the Bible said he was full of the Holy Ghost and he began to preach to them. Acts 4 and 10 through 12, Simon Peter says, be it known unto you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, even him, doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at not of you builders, which is come to the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven and among men whereby we must be saved. Do you get the picture? Peter is standing there handcuffed. He doesn't have a mic. He doesn't have a pulpit. He doesn't have an awesome praise team. He doesn't have a Nord piano. He is standing there handcuffed and shackled and he is preaching the gospel with a man who 24 hours earlier was on the floor lame. Oh, hallelujah. I know you may feel crippled by this current culture. I know you may feel hamstrung and arrested by this current culture, but I want you to know something. The climate of this world does not dictate our freedom. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ does. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. Look what happened next. When the men of the Sanhedrin saw the boldness of Peter, The Bible said they knew they had been with Jesus. When they saw his boldness, they determined he's been with Jesus. It's a far cry from mainstream Christianity in America today who feels that they've been identified with Christ by being silent and being still and being carnal and being worldly. 
Well, we just don't want to cause a stir. We don't want to, we don't want people to think that we don't love them. We don't want people to think they're not accepted. So we're, we're just not going to preach about it. I mean, people know in my heart, I don't agree with that. And in my heart, God knows. And God knows, but yeah, God knows your heart, but he also knows your mouth. And you need to open it up because what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. And if you don't speak against these things, that means in your heart, you don't believe it. Listen, hold on. It's going to get worse. We're going to stand on the truth of God's word and preach it. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm not even, I'm preaching for you, but I'm not preaching for you near as much as I'm preaching for them. You see, hell wants them. They're not even hiding it anymore. How many years ago out there, they're coming after our kids. People looked at me and said, oh, oh, pastor, you're just a conspiracy guy. You know, you're just getting out there. They're, they openly say it now. Every, every major pride march they've had this month, they were chanting in the streets, we're here we're queer. We're coming for your children. We're here. We're queer. We're coming for your children. San Francisco to New York, they've been chanting it everywhere. We're coming for your children. And the church, oh, we love them. Bless their heart. They want your children. That's why our schools are infested with homosexual and lesbian teachers that are pushing this on our children. You can get glad in the same britches you just got mad in because I'm telling the truth. It's being indoctrinated in schools now. So pastor must be fired up. He'll, he'll be back to himself next Sunday. Maybe, maybe not. I'm sick of it. I, I, I want this city to know where we stand. Not in meanness, but in boldness. You can come walking through there as, as gay or transgender as you want to be and you're going to feel the same love as anybody else that'll walk through that building, but you're not going to feel acceptance of the sin. We, we got, we've got to get the original definition of love back. Love is not acceptance. Love is structure. Hey Amen. I'll move on. I got some of y'all nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs right now. We've got to protect our kids. If you won't pray for yourself for the love of God Almighty, would you pray for your kids? They need your prayers. This movement is after your children like the wolves after a rabbit. You need to be praying for them. You need to tell your kids that lifestyle is wrong. God is not pleased with it. It is perverse. We've got to learn to fight fire with fire. We've got to quit being intimidated. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. Jesus was not calling for a violent insurrection. What Jesus was saying is, you better preach passion with passion. If they're passionate about our children, 
we need to get passionate about our children. Because I am unapologetically apostolic. Remember the lame man in Acts chapter 3. Remember, he says, such as I have. What, we don't have what this world has to offer. We don't have what this world has to offer. We have something else. We have the hope of eternal life. Hallelujah. We need the boldness of Simon Peter. We need the boldness. They looked at Simon Peter and said, oh, he must have been with Jesus. Look at his boldness. Next thing they said is they must be ignorant and unlearned. Smart people wouldn't talk like that. Well, if it's smart to accept things that aren't even science, then I'm the biggest dummy in this room. I'm going to hold on to it and say, no, no, no. I'm going to stand on the word of God. The word of God keeps being proven right over and over and over and over and over again. God created them male and female. There is no other way. You see, I'm going to tell you something. You know why they knew Peter had been with Jesus? Number one, because Peter had a boldness and he was not going to back away from the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to know there is something powerful about being with Jesus. It causes you to be more like him. It causes you to want to be more like him. This is what we're teaching on on the way of holiness. If you want to be holy, you need to be like Jesus. And to be like Jesus, you need to find the highway of holiness and the more you're with him, the more you want to be like him. And the more you're like him, the more the world takes notice. It'll cause you to be apostolic without apology. You don't have to try and excuse your behavior. You are simply a born-again, Holy Ghost-filled believer through and through. The council tried to figure out how they could punish these men without causing the multitude of people to rise up against them. Then someone had the bright idea on the council. If we threaten them, if we threaten their lives, they will shut up. Amen. But it didn't do anything but pour fuel on the fire. They didn't realize these men had been with Jesus so much that they considered persecution an honor. They considered being beaten a privilege. I'm telling you, we got to change our mindset. Just because there's opposition doesn't mean God's against us. If there's opposition, that means we're walking in the way of God. That means we're being apostolic. I read in your text that Peter and John stood there and, 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 and they said, is it better if we do right of what we in the sight of God than to hearken unto you? They said, we can, we can only preach those things which we have seen and heard. Another translation said it like this. We can't stop talking about the things that we saw Jesus do and that we heard Jesus say. Why? Because once you've been changed by the power of God, once you've been changed by the power of Jesus' name, there is no other power. There is no other influence. There is no other way that can do the same that the name of Jesus can when you have felt the ultimate peace of God through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Man's attempt to threaten and frighten you it no longer takes hold anymore because you are unapologetically apostolic. In Desert Storm, one of America's greatest weapons was revealed. It was called the Patriot Missile. Some of you will remember the Patriot Missile. 
It was totally different from the tomahawk missiles and howitzers that were used, amen, in defensive measures. The Patriot missile was a new weapon. It was to be a both defensive and offensive weapon. You see, when the Iraqi armies launched their dreaded Scud missiles, Patriot missile batteries were fired to meet them in the air to stop them and prevent them from raining down on innocent people and troops. It was an awesome display of technology and power that man had come up with. But what, what is fascinating about this is that the Patriot missile, I don't know if you know this, but it, it, it derived its name in a very unique way. Usually missiles are named after great generals or people of note or some technology. But the men and women that manufactured this missile were given the opportunity to name it. So the name Patriot was chosen. But Patriot is an acronym. And it means proud Americans taking responsibility in our time. <clears throat> That's what the Patriot Missile means. Proud Americans taking responsibility in our time. I believe that it is time for the prince and the power of the air in Vacaville to feel the effects of some Patriot Missiles. I said, I think it's time that the demonic forces against the church in California feel the effects of some Patriot missiles from the attacks that are coming upon the church. But Patriot no longer means proud Americans taking responsibility in our time. I'd like to rename it prayerful apostolics taking responsibility in our time. We need some prayerful, unashamed apostolics that say, I'm going to pray until we push back the gates of hell. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We need people full of prayer that'll push back. I'm tired of hanging in the ditch. I'm tired of sitting in the foxhole watching the enemy lob rockets on our children and lob grenades on the church. It's time to hold the line. Get up and hold the line. It's time for prayerful apostolics to take back this city, take back this nation with prayer and faith in God. Satan will do all he can to hinder the progress of the church. But I am persuaded now more than ever that Jesus meant what he said when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's going to attack. That's what he does. He's going to launch scud missiles and scum missiles and sin missiles and perversion missiles. But there is a church that is not on the defense, but that is on the offense that says, I'm going to take the battle to the enemy. I am unapologetically apostolic, and I'm going to get on my knees, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe until God breaks through. I refuse to be intimidated. I refuse it. I'm not going to be intimidated. I am unapologetically, unashamedly, unabashedly, indubitably apostolic. Hell's going to attack, 
But there's some apostolics in this room that are going to take the responsibility of Vacaville on their shoulder and say, we're going to push it back and we're going to gain ground in this city. We, somebody needs to get in their mind, right? I refuse to be intimidated. I refuse to be intimidated. I refuse to allow someone else's ideas to determine what is right or wrong in my life. I'm going to stand on the word of God. We need to be unapologetically apostolic. Is this okay today? I hope you ate lunch because I'm not done yet. I'm unapologetic. I just want to make this clear. I just want to make this clear. I refuse to apologize for our belief in one God. I know this may sound like red meat preaching, but, but we need to preach it anyway. I refuse to back down from preaching, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. I don't accept the theology of the Catholic Church. We don't believe in the three persons of the Godhead, the triune Godhead. We believe in one God. We don't embrace any other doctrine than the Apostles' Doctrine. I say we don't embrace any other doctrine but the Apostles' Doctrine. We still preach what the apostles preached. We still hold on to what they preached. We still preach to it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. The apostles preached that Christ is the image of the invisible God. The apostles preached that the fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily in Christ. The apostles preached, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's not what the Christian world preaches, but that's what the Bible preaches. How do I know? Because that's what the apostles preached. And they got it from Jesus, who first gave it to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and finally Moses that wrote it down. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I'm unashamedly apostolic. I said, I'm unashamedly apostolic. I refuse to be intimidated out of preaching the Acts 2.38 salvation message. That you must repent of your sins and be born again of water and of spirit. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. We still believe in speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Tongues are not of the devil. Tongues are a sign for the unbeliever and the believer as the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost baptism. Welcome back down from Acts 2.38 because it's an apostolic message. It's the apostolic message. You can confess the Lord as your Christ and shake the preacher's hand, repeat the sinner's prayer all you want to, but that's not what the apostles preached. We get our doctrine from the apostles who's got it from Jesus. I'm going to tell you something else I refuse to be intimidated of. I refuse to be intimidated from preaching Hebrews 12, 14. And without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I refuse to be intimidated to preach, be ye holy even as I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
We refuse to be intimidated from preaching. Come out from among them and be your separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I know what you might be thinking, but pastor, that was the Old Testament. No, honey, you missed it because all the scriptures I just quoted came from the apostles. And the apostles got the doctrine of holiness from Jesus. And Jesus was the one that gave it to Moses. We're going to toe the line of holiness and separation that God established in the Garden of Eden. This ain't a UPC thing. This ain't some alphabet soup thing. This is a word of God thing. God established it in Eden's garden. You can do whatever you want to over here. There's one thing you can't do. You, can't, you cannot eat of that fruit. He preached the first message of holiness. Separate from that tree. Here's what he told Adam. Adam turned to Eve and said, don't touch it. God said, don't eat it. Adam said, don't touch it. Because Adam had enough sense to know you don't eat something without touching it. So Adam took a little more liberty in the spirit of God and said, if it ain't good enough to eat, it ain't even good enough to touch. So let me just say this for you right now. I know there are some things you would like for us to handle but not put in our mouth, but I'm telling you if it ain't good enough to put in our mouth, it ain't good enough to put in your hand. I am unashamedly apostolic. I'm going to hold the line of holiness and say, if it's not good enough to eat, it's not good enough to touch. Praise God. Is, is, is this apostolic enough? I'm going I'm to keep going a little more lest you're confused where I stand. God's people, their chief identifier, their mark of demarcation has always been that they were a separate people. It has always been their marker of demarcation. They weren't like anybody else. They were holy. They were separate unto God. They separated from their culture. They refused to be identified by the things that identified the culture. And every time they gave in to the culture, God sent them into slavery. I don't know if you got that or not. Every time, every time Israel said, I want to be more like the Philistines, God made them slaves to the Philistines. And when Israel said, I want to be dressing like the Babylonians, God made them slaves to the Babylonians until there was a Daniel and a Meshach and a Shadrach and an Abednego and a Nehemiah that said, we'll live holy, we'll do it right, we'll go back and build up the temple. Separation from the world is not a new message. It's God's message. It's an age-old message. Pastor, define it. Simple terms. Okay, here it is. If the world's doing it, don't do it. Pretty simple. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
we had tapes up by my own tape, just to feel good about myself. God's people has always been a separate people. If we lose our separation, we lose our identity in Christ. And it's not just good enough to be separate from the world. We've got to be separate unto the Lord. We've got to belong to him. If we're just different from the world just to be different, then we're no better than the Amish or the Muslims. We've got to be separate from the world and unto God. Consecrate our commitment unto him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, 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 which is your reasonable service. That is the apostolic message. Don't be entertained by worldly things. You can vote me out if you want. Well, no, you can't. Amen. I'm going to preach it. That, that message ain't going to change as, as long as I'm in this pulpit. We got to be separate from the world. We can't be entertained by worldly things. Things that repulse God need to repulse us. Things that anger God ought to anger us. Why? Because we're apostolic. You mean you people don't do that? Nope. Well, I'm a Christian and I do. Sorry, can't help you. I don't need to explain to you why I look the way I do. You need to explain to me why you don't do what the Bible said do. I can't prove a negative, but I can prove apostolic. Men be men. Women be women. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me move on. I got some of y'all sweating bullets right now. We got, we, got to, we got to stand for holiness. And godliness. Holiness ain't, holiness ain't for being me. It's for being his. And any gospel that says it any other way is not apostolic. So many Pentecostal denominations are losing their holiness and have walked away from it. They call it their freedom and their liberty. I, I, could, start, I could start naming, giving initials of organizations of all kind that have walked away from holiness, separation from the world. They're not growing. They're a shell of their former selves. Their church numbers have shrank dramatically. I can think of one organization that has lost over 85% of their churches in the last 30 years when they left holiness. They still preach Jesus' name. They still preach one, one God. They still preach speaking in tongues. They just backed away from holiness and said, we've been liberated from the old order. That's what they got, the old path, the old order. Well, my Bible says to not forsake the old landmarks. Right, listen, I don't care if only 15 people want to be holy. I'm going to pastor 15 people. Because God commissioned to me to get his bride to heaven. And those that want to be in the bride separate themselves from the available and say, I'm chosen, I'm his. 
Hallelujah. Boy, it feels good to be holy. To walk in separation from the world. Amen. Brother Strickland, is this old-fashioned enough? All right. Every once in a while, I love it when I see them gray hairs amen in me. I know that I'm... I used to preach like this every service. I used to preach like this all the time. People just look at you. Yep. Nobody raised their eyebrows and went, oh, that's controversial. No, it's factual. We are unapologetically. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to bow to the peer pressure of Christendom. I don't care what apostolic organization, Pentecostal organization is walking away from separation. Ain't my fleas, ain't my dog. I'm just going to stand back and watch him scratch. We're going to hold the line of being apostolic. I, I don't know what camera I'm on. Maybe it's probably this, but, but maybe zoom in. Let me look you in the eye and say, this is a holiness church. And we boast not in ourselves, but in the grace of Almighty God who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light to come out from the world and separate ourselves, to not act like the world, talk like the world, be entertained by the world, or look like the world, but be a separate people, chosen unto God, holy and acceptable. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I refuse to let anybody inside the church or outside the church to dictate what apostolic is. Only the word of God can determine what apostolic is. I don't care what other church with whatever initials they got beside their name, what they say about holiness and being apostolic. I'm going to stick with the Bible definition of what it is. I'm going to hold the line. Do you hear me, Apostle Peter? Do you hear me, Apostle John? We're still preaching 2,000 years later what you preached, what you preached in Thyatira, what you preached in Smyrna, what you preached in Thessalonica, what you preached in Crete, what you preached in Ephesus, what you preached in Jerusalem, what you preached in Rome. We're preaching the same message. There's one God, Acts 2.38, salvation, and be separate from the world. I am unapologetically apostolic. Amen. I got to start landing a plane somewhere. My voice is almost gone and I'm tired. But since you beautiful apostolic women bear the brunt of our apostolic identity, keep towing the line. Keep towing the line. And if some backslidden, two-faced, hypocrite Pentecostal wants to come to you and say it don't take all that, you stand on your feet, square your shoulders back and say, I will take my chances with what the apostles preached. I said, I'll take my chances with what the apostles preached. I'm going to be what Jude said. I'm going to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I believe with all of my heart, Brother Clifton, 
if you were able to pull Paul up out of a grave right now and he walked in here and could understand what I was saying, I believe that old man be dancing right out of his sandals saying, they're still preaching what I wrote. They're still preaching what I said. They're still preaching. I believe if you were to get Simon Peter up bones out of his grave and resurrect him, he'd be dancing all over this house saying, they're preaching just what we said to preach. They're holding on to it. They're teaching one God. They're teaching separation from the world. They're still preaching. But Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We got nothing to be ashamed of. We need to restore apostolic. I don't want to say pride because pride's not a good thing. We used to say Holy Ghost proud. And it's almost like it inoculated the proud out of the statement. But God said he hates every proud way. And, and, but I think, you know what I say, we need to restore that apostolic pride, ap- boldness, that apostolic boldness, that apostolic identity that I am apostolic. No, apostolic is not what I do, it's who I am. Because if I just do apostolic, that means I am apostolic on Sunday and Wednesday and whenever else I need to be. But if I am apostolic, that means I'm apostolic when I wake up on Tuesday morning. I'm apostolic when I go to bed on Saturday night. Amen. It's not what I do. It's who I am. It's in the very marrow of my spiritual DNA. When I was born again, I was born again to hold on to the apostles' doctrine. Let me, let me just try to close it with this. I don't even know how, how long have I been preaching. Amen. All right. All right. 30 lashes with a wet noodle. Okay. You're supposed to time me. We're not going to let the world identify what is, what is worship and what is not worship. Joe, you know I said, we're not going to let the world identify what is worship and acceptable worship and not acceptable worship. Because another mark of demarcation of the apostolic church has been our true worship to the Lord. Amen. Well, I'm already in it. I might as well wade out a little bit deeper. And I'm really not saying that to get a rise. I, I, I honestly am not. I'm, I'm really debating, should I wade out into this and make a mess or not? We, we, we cannot let the secular church world determine what our worship is. Because apostolic has always had its own sound. Its own movement. And then the emerging charismatic world grabbed it and diluted it and handed it back to us. You know, I wasn't around when the Hensons came out, believe it or not. They came out 67. Do you know they wouldn't let the Hensons and the Goodmans, they wouldn't even let them in a lot of concerts throughout the 60s? You want to know why? Because they had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were Pentecostal Church of God. They spoke in tongues. They wouldn't even let them sing in concerts. You don't know why? They called it that hallelujah singing. 
That means when they got singing, they started getting excited and shouting hallelujah and speaking in tongues. And them old Baptist quartets couldn't handle it because they thought tongues were of the devil. Y'all getting this? They, they were, it wasn't until the early 19, late 70s, early 80s that they let them go mainstream in, in, in what's called the Southern Gospel World because their music was Holy Ghost inspired. It sounded like our music. Dottie Rambo, that was our music. Pentecost had its own sound. Won't that be a hallelujah meeting when we step on the other side? And the saints of old standing there to greet us to welcome us across the tide. We'll lift glad hands together, shouting all through the land. And when you think it's just about, and it'll happen all over again. That's Pentecostal. The other groups were singing, hold the fort for I am coming. Pentecost had its own design, its own sound. Now the world stole it. Secular Christians stole it, diluted it, and handed it back to us. We can't let the secular Christian world determine what is acceptable worship or not. God's already determined what's acceptable worship. And I'm a part of an apostolic church where we worship in freedom and in demonstration unto the Lord. Let me say it like this. We are a hand clapping church. We're an owl running church. We're a dancing church. We're a pew jumping church. We're a tongue talking church. In other words, we are an apostolic church. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I remember being a kid and we had some friends. We had some friends that went to other churches. And if we got talking about religion, if we talk about songs, they would, they would sing. You know, they sang these old boring songs. You know, they, they'd sing things like, you know, Blessed Trinity or whatever. And they would sing all this. And, and, and they would start talking about their songs. And you'd be going, hmm, Okay. What do y'all sing? Well, it wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Gotta make it to heaven somehow, though the devil tempts in and tries to turn me around. He's offered everything that's got a name, all the wealth I want in the world. If it could still, it wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. We got beat down so much for being apostolic. They used to call us holy rollers all the time. Oh, we ain't been called holy rollers in years. You want to know why? Because we wanted to be accepted. Nobody's willing to roll anymore. We'll take the holy, not the roly. They call us holy rollers. We'd say, well, I'd rather roll into heaven than drop into hell. We were holy rollers. So we had to come up with our own music. I'm a one God apostolic tongue talking holy rolling born again heaven bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus name I've been washed by his blood sanctified by the spirit I believe in holiness and I suggest you do the same I was set free on my knees one night at a Pentecostal altar and I'm not ashamed to be a one God apostolic tongue talking holy rolling born again heaven bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus name and then we'd speed it up I'm a one God apostolic tongue talking holy rolling born again heaven bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus name I've been washed by his blood sanctified by the spirit I believe in holiness. I suggest you do the same. I was set free on my knees at a Pentecostal altar one night, and I'm not ashamed to be a one God. I'm talking the Holy Roller Born Again, Heaven Member, Believer in the Liberating Power. We were rap before rap was cool. 
Oh, hallelujah. Because we're unashamedly apostolic. They're living it out loud. We need to live it out loud. I said they're living it out loud. We need to live it out loud. They're not going to define what our worship is. We're going to define our worship. Because we've already found the definition in the word of God. And we are unapologetically. I rem- Oh, I can remember the old time shouting and dancing. You just didn't want to bring people to church. I didn't as a kid. I knew it'd scare them. This, this was before affluence hit the apostolic church. We were still humble enough to worship in our $25 uh, uh, thrift store suits. Swedish knit, three-piece suits, arms six inches too long, pants four inches too short. I don't think y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some of them old women been wearing the same dresses for 40 years, and that's not a joke. But when the Holy Ghost whipped that head around, and bobby pins became lethal projectiles, they would whistle by your ears. Matter of fact, our identity, Brother Chase, goes back to the founding of this country. Back then, they used to call us Quakers. Because the Holy Ghost would hit them. They'd they'd shake so hard, they'd shake out of their chair, and they'd shake and roll around on the floor. What do we do now? It's in here. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful is in Jesus, my Lord. Wonderful. We want everybody to, you know, we don't want everybody to feel. They wanted everybody to feel. I guess when I was a kid, they wanted everybody to be uncomfortable. I remember bringing a friend of mine. Stayed the night at my house one Saturday night, and it, I forgot. Dad walked in there and said, "You got to turn the lights off. We got church in the morning." I went, "Oh, he, he's not going. If he's staying in my house tonight, he's going to church tomorrow." I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. This boy ain't probably never been to church in his whole life, and I'm not exaggerating. We got to church that morning. We still had to sit up front on second row. That's where we sat. And I'm sitting there, and I am praying in my little 11-year-old mind, God, don't let these people act up today. Lord, don't let them be apostolic today. Let them be Baptocostal. Just, you know, I don't mind a few amens. Please, Lord, don't let them sing, uh, you know, uh, won't we have a time we get over yonder because that's a shouting song. Or Heaven's Jubilee or something like that. Can we sing that? They're going to cut a rug. And he ain't never been a part of anything like this. We're going to scare him. And service was going exactly like I prayed for. Everybody was behaving themselves. I mean, they were standing clapping. We had our songbooks out, you know. And all of a sudden, they started singing. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The everlasting Father, the King eternally. The wonderful in wisdom by whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead in Jesus. And boy, they just started cutting loose. 
and everything I prayed not to happen, happened. I remember praying, God, don't let Sister Rhonda start doing her a full body karate chop. Because she was eight months pregnant and when she worshiped, she would almost hit her toes with her forehead. I'm not exact. I mean, she would just do this. And she would scream like a, a haunted house. And man, they hit that. It's all in him. And she come out around that corner. My friend grabbed that pew. I said, oh God, don't let Grandma Broach whip her head around. Would you know it? Oh, that head went to, her hair went flat. Went out of that perfect little Pentecostal bun. Y'all remember that PhD, that Pentecostal hairdo? It just went, whew, and it started whipping around like a cow tail. My grandma sitting on the other end over here. She got her hand going like this. And my friend's knuckles are turning white. He's gripping through the wood. And I had prayed, God, don't let my dad do the Comanche war hoop. And we had no pier and beam floor like we got here, but it wasn't as solid as this. And my dad got them big old 12 foot, their 12 inch boots going. It was a hillbilly church. And he got his foot going like this. And he got his arm. And he was sitting next to my friend. And the whole floor would shake. My dad was 260-something pounds, six foot three. He gets going like this. You feel the floor shake. And he got to going. I'm, I'm gripping the pew now. Oh, God, no. I'm, I'm repenting for things I didn't do. Just Jesus, stop them right now. Rapture, get me out of here because I got to go to school. He's going to tell everybody. And I remember him gripping on He leaned over. He goes, hey, what's happening, man? I said, man, they got the Holy Ghost. He looked at me shaking. He goes, man, I don't want to catch no Holy Ghost. <laughs> My dad got to go in here. He and he went. He would run on one leg. I still don't know. How he, he'd run on one. I mean, Chuck Berry couldn't duck walk like my dad duck walk around that building. And he's doing this Comanche war hoop around the building. Then all, all 115 people just went nuts. You know what happened? He ended up catching the Holy Ghost. You want to know why? We're not apostolic chemistry. Apostolic. I'm not ashamed of the way we worship. I'm not ashamed of the way we praise. We're high runners. We're pro jumpers. We're altar dancers. We're tongue talkers.
ain't done that in a long time. And it shows. You got spiritual bursitis and arthritis. Let me tell you how I feel. That's in D minor. I met a man the other day who looked at me and said, Do you know this song? My voice is gone. So many times I've seen your kind before. He said, You can't do this and you can't do that. You're bound by rules and restrictions. Oh, what a pitiful life. Oh, what a dreary life. You little apostolics must live. Well, I looked him in the eye and I said, you're wrong. I can do anything that turns me on. I can drink till my face turns red and my eyes turn blue. Well, I can chew and dip, I can snort and cuss. I can party all night till the sun comes up. But there's better things in life I'd rather do. Because I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like him. Nobody's making me do it. This is how I want to live. You decide for you. I'll decide for me But since the choice is mine This is how I want to live Well don't you look at me with sympathy Think that I've been cheated From doing all those things that you call fun Cause some night while you're getting down On that darkest side of town the choice I made will be lifting me out of here And I choose to be a Christian I choose to be like him Nobody's making me do it This is how I want to live You decide for you And I'll decide for me But since the choice is mine Well, I must admit that from time to time The thought of heaven keeps me towing the line And that he's coming soon, too good to be true Listen to me If this were all just a fairy tale There was no heaven and there was no hell I'd still be happy living like I do one more time don't you look at me with sympathy and think that I've been cheated from doing all that stuff that you call fun listen to me clear some night while you're getting down 
on the darkest side of town. But your son's name will be lifting me out of here. And I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like him. Nobody's holding a gun to my head. This is how I want to live. You decide for you. admit that from time to time the throne of heaven keeps me toeing the line and that Jesus is coming soon seems too good to be true oh but if this were all just a fairy tale and there was no heaven and there was no hell guess what I'd still be happy living like I do hallelujah cause I choose to be a Christian Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.